Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 55 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Numbers chapter 21 today, and our focus is on looking to Jesus and living, plus the testimony of Charles Spurgeon. So, welcome to new listeners in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, Rajasthan, India, Northern Ireland, Birmingham, Alabama, Champaign, Illinois, and Denver, Colorado. Thank you all so much for joining us. Please do check out our website, Bible2021.com. Let's open with our verses of the day, which aren't actually in today's chapter, but they're about today's chapter, so I think that's going to be okay. John 3, 14 and 15, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, says Jesus, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, so that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. So today we're going to read about a fascinating instance in the life of Israel. The people bitterly complain, and God sends snakes as a judgment on their continuous complaining. But God also sends deliverance from the snakes and their venom in the form of a bronze snake statue-like thing on a pole. If the Israelites who are bitten will simply look at the snake on the pole, they will live. Look and live. Now, Jesus takes this instance and turns it into a brief and powerful proclamation of salvation. Just like the Israelites look to the lifted up bronze snake to live, also look to me, says Jesus, and live. So let's read our passage, and then we will close out with the testimony of Charles Spurgeon, in his own words. Numbers chapter 21, verse 1. When the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev, heard that Israel was coming on the Atharim road, he fought against Israel and captured some prisoners. Then Israel made a vow to the Lord. If you will hand this people over to us, we will completely destroy their cities. And the Lord listened to Israel's request and handed the Canaanites over to them, and Israel completely destroyed them in their cities. So they named the place Hormah. Then they set out from Mount Hor by way of the Red Sea to bypass the land of Edom, but the people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses. Why have you led us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no bread or water, and we detest this wretched food. Then the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and they bit them so that many Israelites died. The people then came to Moses and said, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Intercede with the Lord so that he will take the snakes away from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake image and mount it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will recover. So Moses made a bronze snake and mounted it on a pole. Whenever someone was bitten and he looked at the bronze snake, he recovered. The Israelites set out and camped at Oboth. They set out from Oboth and camped at Ai-Arbarim in the wilderness that borders Moab on the east. From there, they went and camped at the Zered Valley. They set out from there and camped on the other side of the Arnon River in the wilderness that extends from the Amorite border because the Arnon was the Moabite border between Moab and the Amorites. Therefore, it is stated in the book of the Lord's Wars, Wahab and Sufa and the ravens of Arnon, even the slopes of the ravens that extend to the site of Ar and lie along the border of Moab. From there they went to Beer, the well the Lord told Moses about. Gather the people so I may give them water. Then Israel sang this song. Spring up well, sing to it. The princes dug the well. The nobles of the people hollowed it out with a scepter and with their staves. They went from the wilderness to Matana, from Matana to Nahalel, from Nahalel to Bamoth, to from Bamoth to the valley in the territory of Moab near the Pisgah highlands that overlook the wasteland. 
Israel sent messengers to say to King Sihon of the Amorites, Let us travel through your land. We won't go into the fields or vineyards. We won't drink any well water. We will travel the king's highway until we have traveled through your territory. But Sihon would not let Israel travel through his territory. Instead, he gathered his whole army and went out to confront Israel in the wilderness. When he came to Jehaz, he fought against Israel, and Israel struck him with the sword and took possession of his land from the Arnon to the Jabbok, but only up to the Ammonite border because it was fortified. Israel took all the cities and lived in these Amorite cities, including Heshbon and all its surrounding villages. Heshbon was the city of King Sihon of the Amorites, who had fought against the former king of Moab and had taken control of all his land as far as the Arnon. Therefore the poets say, Come to Heshbon, let it be rebuilt, let the city of Sihon be restored. For fire came out of Heshbon, a flame from the city of Sihon. It consumed Ar of Moab, the citizens of Arnon's heights. Woe to you, Moab! You have been destroyed, people of Shamash. He gave up his sons as refugees and his daughters into captivity. To Sihon, the Amorite king, we threw them down. Heshbon has been destroyed as far as Dibon. We caused desolation as far as Nophah, which reaches as far as Medeba. So Israel lived in the Amorites' land. After Moses sent spies to Jatzer, Israel captured its surrounding villages and drove out the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up the road to Bashan, and King Og of Bashan came out against them with his whole army to do battle at Edrai. But the Lord said to Moses, Do not fear him, for I have handed him over to you along with his whole army in his land. Do to him as you did to King Sihon of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon. So they struck him, his sons, and his whole army until no one was left and they took possession of his land. So this passage in Numbers 13, as well as Jesus's proclamation of the gospel in John 3 from this passage, was really instrumental in the salvation of Charles Spurgeon, who was a British preacher who lived in the late 1800s, probably my favorite preacher ever, uh, one of the most powerfully used men of God in the last 500 years. I want to read you Spurgeon's testimony in his own words because this passage had a huge impact on his salvation. Now, this might go slightly beyond our normal 10 minutes, but I'll try to pay you back tomorrow. This is what Spurgeon says. I sometimes think that I might have been in darkness and despair until now had it not been for the goodness of God in sending a snowstorm one Sunday morning when I was younger while I was going to a certain place of worship. When I could go no further, I turned down a side street and came to a little primitive Methodist chapel. In that chapel, there may have been a dozen or fifteen people. The minister was not able to come that morning. He was snowed up, I suppose. At last, a very thin-looking man, a shoemaker or tailor or something of that sort, went up into the pulpit to preach. He was obliged to stick to his text for the simple reason that he had little else to say. The text was, Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth. That's Isaiah forty-five twenty-two. He did not even pronounce the words rightly, but it did not matter. There was, I thought, a glimpse of hope for me in that text. The pre- preacher began this way, My dear friends, this is a very simple text indeed. It says, Look. Now look and don't take a deal of pain. It ain't lifting your foot or your finger. It's just look. Well, a man needn't go to college to learn to look. You may be the biggest fool, and yet you can look. A man needn't be worth a thousand a year to be able to look. Anyone can look. Even a child can look. But then the text says, look unto me. Many of you are looking to yourselves, but it's no use looking there. You'll never find any comfort in yourself. Son, look to God the Father. No, 
Look to him by and by. Jesus says, look unto me. Some of you say, we must wait for the Spirit's working. You have no business with that now, just now. Just look to Christ. The text says, look unto me. Then the good man, says Spurgeon, followed up his text in this way. Look unto me. I'm sweating in great drops of blood. Look unto me, says Jesus. I'm hanging on the cross. Look unto me. I'm dead and buried. Look unto me. I rise again. Look unto me. I ascend into heaven. Look unto me. I'm setting at the Father's right hand. Oh, poor sinner, look unto me. Look unto me. When that preacher had gone about to that length and managed to spin out ten minutes or so, he was at the end of his tether. Then he looked at me under the gallery, and I dare say, with so few present there, he knew me to be a stranger. Just fixing his eyes on me as if he knew all my heart, he said, Young man, you look very miserable. Well, I did, but I had not been had accustomed to have remarks made from the pulpit on my personal appearance before. However, it was a good blow, struck right home. He continued, You will always be miserable, miserable in life and miserable in death if you don't obey my text. But if you obey now, this moment, and look to Jesus, you will be saved. Then lifting up his hands, he shouted as only a primitive Methodist could do, Young man, look to Jesus Christ. Look, look, look. You have nothing to do but look and live. I saw at once the way of salvation. I don't know what else he said. I did not take much notice of it. I was so possessed with that one thought. Like as when the bronze serpent was lifted up, the people only had to look and they were healed. So it was with me. I had been wanting to do 50 things, but when I heard that word look, what a charming word it seemed to me. Oh, I looked until I could have also almost looked my eyes away. There and then the cloud was gone. The darkness had rolled away. In that moment, I saw the sun, and I could have risen that instant and sung with the most enthusiastic them of the precious blood of Christ and the simple faith which looks alone to him. Amen. And that is the story of how Spurgeon came to faith in Jesus. He looked to Jesus and gained eternal life by looking to Jesus in faith. Yes, it is that simple. Let's close with Acts 9.31, our verse of the month. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Amen, friends. I encourage you, look to Jesus every day and live. Look and live. Look to him and live. Good day to you and Godspeed.